0: From KDNK Community Access Radio in Carbondale, Colorado in the United States, this is program number 19 of the Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. people go places, we don't experience things like our sighted friends. We don't see beautiful mountains or romantic sunsets. The goal of this program is to identify and even create experiences that are more meaningful for us or just more fun for us and our sighted traveling companions. Frequently, as people lose their eyesight, they become more and more isolated. The tactile traveler hopes to empower people not only to go literally around the world, but around the block to new adventures in their lives. Blind ranges from people who are visually impaired and glasses and contact lenses no longer allow them to live a normal life to people like me who are totally blind and to sighted parents who have a blind child, to blind parents with sighted children, and blind parents with blind children, and people of all ages, interests, and physical abilities. On today's program, what it's like for us to visit the George Floyd Memorial Square in Minneapolis, Minnesota. A look at Paralympic swimming with racer Becca Myers and to visit the High Country Gems and Minerals, a rock shop. In a moment, we're going to see what it's like for blind people to experience the George Floyd Memorial Square. But we can't understand the experience without understanding the context. Tamika Robinson lives in nearby St. Paul, Minnesota. She says... Most white people don't understand the stress black people go through when coming in contact with the police or just worrying that they might be stopped by the police in a car or just walking down the street. I have
1: three children, two adult children out of the home and a 17-year-old at home. I worry about my children all the time, given the fact they're children of color. I worry about my daughter. I worry about my son. Say keep your hands out of your pockets, say yes sir, no sir, don't do this, don't do that. There's an extra set of rules that I have to teach my children for them to be out in the world. My youngest daughter has anxiety every time she sees a police
2: officer.
0: After George Floyd's murder, Tamika did something she never did before. She joined demonstrations against police brutality. On a mother's march in St. Paul, And then she made several trips to the George Floyd Square in Minneapolis. Tamika is a student at Blind Incorporated, a commuter and residential program where blind and newly blinded people learn life skills like cooking, braille, technology, and white cane travel. She wasn't a student yet at Blind Inc. at the time of George Floyd's murder, but Casey Owens, who has since graduated was. Casey, who lives in Nashville, Tennessee, has been stopped by the police for no apparent reason, except the color of his skin.
2: I have before, many times before I became blind, and there's been many times where I've been pulled over for just regular traffic stops. But as soon as you no, know, they see that they see I'm black, and they feel that they need to have a curious about what's going on, about searching my car without having any probable cause to search the car or doing a breathalyzer, knowing that the person has not, no alcohol in the system, They don't smell anything, but because that person is black, they feel the need to try to search for something to do more than what they need to do. I think of that nature that's kind of... Not so on a day-to-day basis, but it's kind of a uh, regular thing to have to go through. Casey heard about a mother's
0: march from the burned-out police precinct to George Floyd Square in Minneapolis soon after George Floyd's murder.
2: I am a part of a attorney called Iota Phi Theta Incorporated, and they were invited to do the march with the mothers. And it was basically just all the attorneys and sororities and black men and women and colleagues who supported us to march and kind of support the what happened with George Floyd, uh, Floyd about him being killed, uh, wrongly killed. So it was just a big, long march of us uh, shouting and just doing a piece of protest. Uh, to grow the ways of awareness and to support trying to change things for the future.
0: Casey, who had never been in any kind of demonstration before, was reluctant
2: to go by himself. I felt the need to do something, even though I might be blind, newly blind, and kind of feel kind of paranoid sometimes to go out by myself. At that point in time, I felt the need to really get out there, and I felt safe because I was around for our Brothers. And around people that really just trying to make a difference.
0: So Casey spread the word around Blind Inc. that he was looking for other people to go with him. A black woman student and 10 students and staff who aren't black volunteered to be there for Casey.
2: Who's turn? Our street!
0: Who's turn? Our street! Our street! George Floyd! George Floyd! George Floyd! Jennifer Kennedy, director of Blind Incorporated, recorded these sounds while marching with Casey in the first demonstration she too had ever been in.
1: You couldn't ask for a better group of people as you walked through the, walked about, uh, it was about a mile and a half, I think, um, from, we started where the precinct, uh, Precinct 3 was, the police station that was burned down. And we walked from there to, George Floyd Square. It's really hard to even describe part of my experience without acknowledging how significantly this has changed my understanding um, of white privilege and the bias by which we don't even realize that we may have. And so for me, it gives me a lot of time to really think about how do I help be part of the solution to a problem that I didn't know existed.
0: Angie Castro, also a Blind Incorporated student, also joined Casey Owens for the demonstration.
3: So yeah, the experience was very, very humbling. It's an experience that I'll never, ever forget. It was very difficult. It made people sad. It made people angry. It made people worried and scared. It was sad, but at the same time, like, it was just beautiful to see. Different people of different cultures just come
1: together and stand in solidarity with the black community.
0: Marsha Howard is one of the people you might find at the George Floyd Square any time of the day or night. She helped us visualize what's there for people who can't see and what we might hear. If you were to walk in through any of the streets, you would
1: walk in and your eyes would immediately fixate on what's in the middle of the intersection, and that is a still power fist. Imagine a fist clenched and put in the air. Well, from the elbow up, that is what's in the center, in the middle, and it's surrounded by a small garden with blooming flowers. You will hear people perhaps on a bullhorn protesting. You'll hear the sounds of chants like this is what community looks like or George Floyd's name. It is still very much a memorial. It is still very much a protest zone. But more importantly, it's a community. So if you do come to 38th in Chicago in Minneapolis, Minnesota,
0: we'll be there. Say hi. There's a conflict between the city of Minneapolis and area merchants and people maintaining the blocked intersection if and when it should be reopened. So the intersection might be different by the time you get to visit it, but it will always be a memorial to George Floyd and other black people killed by police brutality. There have been a number of shootings in the area more at night than in the daytime. Marcia Howard says there usually are volunteers that will help the visitors from all over the world, are visiting and paying respect to George Floyd and other victims of police violence. But remember, It's a protest, it is not a museum. Karen Cato, Kristen Cato, Fred Thompson, Kelly McCleary, and John Stiles helped with this story. You're listening to the Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. Becca Myers has Usher's Syndrome.
3: I was born with a rare genetic disorder called Usher Syndrome, which affects my hearing, vision, and balance. With Usher syndrome, there's three different types: type one, type two, type three. I have type one, which is the most severe out of them all. Lucky me. <laughs> and type three is the least affected. So type one, I was born profoundly deaf. I have two cochlear implants that I wear every day that allow me to hear you and be able to talk to you right now. So born profoundly deaf and then vision, I have a progressive eye sight loss known as retinitis right pigmentosa, RP. So eventually I will go blind one day, but as of right now, I have about less than five degrees of field vision. So think about looking life through two straws. That's how much vision I have. Completely blind at night, night blindness, can't see anything in the dark. And then I have balance issues. So I have trouble walking sometimes,
0: Even though Becca Myers can't see, hear, or sometimes even walk well, there's one thing she really exceeds at. She's a world-class swim racer. She's so good, she's on the U.S. Paralympic swim team.
3: There are three categories for the visually impaired. So S11 is completely blind, which means they wear blackout goggles and they have tappers.
0: Tappers are people at both ends of a swimming pool holding a pole with something soft like a tennis ball on the end of it who taps a blind swim racer on the head or wherever they work out to let the racers know that they're about to reach the end of the pool so they don't break their fingers smashing into the wall and to let them know they'll soon be turning around by pushing off the wall to swim to the other side of the pool. Tappers can be coaches, family members, or even other swim racers. Some racers use sprinklers to let them know that they're reaching the end of the pool during practice.
3: The S12 classification is the classification I compete in where you have about 5 degrees or less vision. And you can choose to have a tapper or not, but you do not have to wear blackout goggles. So I wear regular clear goggles and I can I do not have tappers and I count my strokes. I I'm so comfortable in the pool that I know where I am and just it's it's practice. You know, you do something so many times you you're very familiar with where you are in the water, so that's my classification. And then there's a classification, S13, that, is, that has a little more vision. So they have about 10 degrees
0: or a little bit more. Becca uses cochlear implants to be able to hear. There are two parts to a cochlear implant. A receiver with electrodes that go to the person's inner ear, which sends signals that are interpreted as hearing by the brain and an external sound processor that looks something like hearing aids. This sends signals to the receiver. Becca doesn't wear the receivers when she's swimming.
3: I hear absolutely nothing. I can't hear the, the horn of the starting, off the starting blocks, like the starting gun. I can't hear that at all. So when I'm on the blocks, I watch for a light that is placed under my block, like a little strobe that goes right under my block that is hooked up to the main system. So when the horn goes off, the light flashes, and that's when I know when to start a race. And then vision, I have a progressive eye sight loss known as retinitis pigmentosa, RP. So eventually I will go blind one day, but as of right now, I have about less than five degrees of field vision. So think about looking life through two straws. That's how much vision I have. Completely blind at night, night blindness, can't see anything in the dark. And then I have balance issues. So I have trouble walking sometimes, but when I'm in the water, I forget about my balance. I forget about my disabilities. I just feel free in the
0: water. Becca trains with swimmers with normal hearing and vision and sometimes competes against M thirteen swimmers that see better than she does. Becca has enough vision to follow the black guideline on the bottom of the pool. She says totally blind swimmers have a bigger challenge.
3: So that is it's very fascinating to watch the S11 swim because they have so much determination and I'm impressed with them because it is so hard to swim straight when you can't see but like I sort of said in the beginning um practice 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 and a lot of times I've heard stories from my teammates that they've crashed into the lane lines the walls and they've broken fingers and things like that but they've practice very hard to swim straight it's just practice practice and work with their tappers and how they come into the wall and how the tappers tap them and push off and they try and stay straight but if they bump into the lane line they know to sort of move over to the left or to the right to try and center themselves back into the middle of the pool it's it's amazing to watch them they they surprise me every time i i love cheering them on
0: being a Paralympian is a great way to travel all over the world for free
3: I've been to Australia Japan Taiwan England Brazil Scotland Italy Portugal Canada Mexico Switzerland yeah I've I've been all over but I would have to say my favorite competition
0: was Australia. Becca said people frequently were patronizing when she told them that she was going to be a competitive swimmer.
3: I always had people say, oh, that's nice that you like to swim. Yeah, it's a shame that you will never make the state qualifying time or sectionals or all these high-level meets. And I would take that. I used that to feel me, to show them that I could. I loved, and I still do, love pro- proving people wrong. And I would get in the pool and I would throw down the time and, and look at the person and go, yeah, I can, what are you talking
0: about? Becca has won six Paralympic medals, one bronze, two silver, and three gold, and lots of gold medals in international competition. Jason Struther and Kristen Gowdy helped with this story. You're listening to The Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low-vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. We occasionally do stories on businesses that do things right for blind folks and people with low vision, sometimes intentionally or when it just works out well for us. One of those businesses is where I live in Glenwood Springs, Colorado. It's high country, gems, and minerals. But everyone here just calls it the rock shop. Owner Patty Rockstar, I don't think that was her given name.
1: We have rocks, gems, minerals, fossils, crystal singing bowls, lots of jewelry, beautiful things, mostly from the earth.
0: What inspired this story is a sign next to what customers like the most and isn't for sale. It's a geo, a lava bubble cut in half, and the inside is filled with crystals. Next to it is a sign that says, please touch. If customers are unable to read the sign, they tell them that it's okay to touch the merchandise.
1: I put a sign on it saying, please touch. Why did I do that? Because nobody else ever asks you to touch. So We remind
0: people of that all the time. Doesn't matter who you are or what your abilities, um, we invite people to touch. I'll say, please notice that this one says, please touch. Because uh, humans are really strange. They see, um, or adults are anyway, um, don't touch because that's what we're used to. Don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. And so for us to invite people to touch and that keeps people coming back. One of those customers that keeps coming back is tactile traveler listener, Renee Anderson.
3: I love it. I honestly love the rock shop. Um, My husband uh, collects rocks and so does my son. And we have gone to lots of rock shops all over the place, okay? And that one we keep going back to, and they do, they want you to touch and they, and that's one thing, Patty's always like, here, touch this, touch this, you know, always saying that. And that's how I see, obviously with with my hands. And I love to have that experience of actually touching it. Cause there's some places they don't want you to touch things. And I'm like, you know what? I can't experience it if I can't touch it. So I want to touch it. And that, that place is so open to letting you touch anything and and check things out.
0: Patty Rockstar told us that they removed the please touch sign during COVID-19. But she said, since things are getting back to normal, they'll soon be encouraging customers to touch the merchandise again. If you know of any businesses, that either by accident or on purpose would be interesting for us, please let us know by sending an email to the Tactile Traveler at gmail.com. You're listening to The Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. Why, it's my talking scale, reminding us that we'd like you to weigh in on how we're doing. Please let us know by sending an email to the traveler at gmail.com. We spell traveler the American way with one L. We'd also like to hear your story ideas from all over the world. Send us an email with story ideas in the subject line to the traveler at gmail.com. If you'd like to help underwrite this program, please send us an email with underwriting in the subject line at the traveler at gmail.com. Transcripts of this program are also available for our deaf listeners by searching The Tactile Traveler in any search engine. This program is also being broadcast on the Audio Information Network of Colorado and in additional states. It's also available by typing The Tactile Traveler into any search engine and available where you get podcasts and by asking your smart speaker to play the podcast, The Tactile Traveler. Sometimes Alexa's a little dense, and you have to ask her a bunch of times. We'd like to thank the following organizations and people that help make today's program possible. Be My Eyes Microsoft Accessibility Tech Support Apple Accessibility Tech Support Dan Simon Lorraine Hutchinson Chris Mitchell, Sarah Williams, Sophia Williams, Debbie O'Leary, Lucas Turner, and Raleigh Burley. This has been the Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. This has been a production of KDNK Community Access Radio, Carbondale. Colorado.